I hear the chains falling. Oh, we hear about God's love. I hear the chains falling. Are you ready to hear about the chains falling? Break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. But then we go from Will's break every chain into Austin's start today. You know, we got those chains breaking and falling, but the command after that is start. Be my people. Be new people. Start today. Break every chain and you're not done. Break every chain and others are still waiting to hear that word. Break every chain and you are my love for the world. Are you ready? Are you ready to start today? Start today being that love that God calls us to be, to put us into the world with broken chains. It can be so hard because sometimes the preacher can be up there at the front of the church preaching about love and we still hear hate. Sometimes they can even say they're talking about love and it still looks like hate. You may have seen them. Love! <laughs> Till they can't breathe anymore. You know? Sometimes the words we use have different meanings. I remember trying to learn how to say the word cool. You know, my friend Debbie said it really well, and I tried to copy Debbie. It was like, cool. Cool. But she still, I could never get it. Cool? You know? Cool. Sort of like you care and not care and have all the context. But the word mattered, and more than the word mattered, the inflection of the word, the tone of the word, and what was happening mattered too. The context made a difference from those words. And sometimes we have problems just getting the words right, even when they're nouns. Because you know, we interpret in our own head what the word is, and we don't have the same picture. I'll give you an example. If I say the word chair, have a picture in your head, and now look at this picture. Is that what you had? Why not? I said chair. It's a noun. Okay? Did you have some other kind of chair in your head? Maybe this kind of chair was in your head. You know, and if we've been talking, who knows if it's Granny's rocker, you know, or the stuffed lazy boy to watch the Super Bowl. Who knows? Because even nouns mean different things to us when I say the word chair. Let's try for another one. What do you think of, what goes up in your mind when I say the word mouse? Did you have to jump on a table? And say the word mouse, okay? You know, well, it's a good little picture of a mouse, but you may not have thought of that. What if you thought about this kind of mouse instead of that kind of mouse? How many of you went for the clicker? You know, there you are, hands going up. But that's not what I was talking about. Sometimes we think we've communicated and we haven't, even with some basic words. You know, imagine a tree. What kind of tree comes up in your head may not be the tree come up in my head. If it's around Christmas time, you might be imagining a Christmas tree. And if you're really familiar with Charles Schultz, you might be imagining Charlie Brown's Christmas tree. So we might be in completely different worlds, so we're using Words we think we know, trying to talk to one another. Then there's harder words. Some words even change. You know, friend used to be a noun only. 
When was the last time you friended someone? So we have to keep up with this new vocabulary and as things change. And now words can be made up of initials like OMG and SMH. You know, the language keeps shifting on us and we may not know what it means. Then we get to words like hope, and words like faith, you know, love again. We might even have to deal with words like grace. You know? Is that what popped into your head? The context makes a difference when we're talking about these important words. And sometimes we just continue to talk past each other and we don't find one another. These days, the word marriage brings up a lot of different connotations. Or the phrase religious freedom brings up a different set of understandings, which used to mean you weren't persecuted for practicing your faith. Now it's come to mean I can discriminate against anyone who I think is bothering me. In some places, we're not speaking the same language, the same words. Oh my goodness, how in the world are we going to get through this sermon when we come up to a word like eunuch? Yeah, what the heck does that mean? And why is it so prominent in the scripture that we have it today? A eunuch was one of those people sometimes cast out on the side, sometimes lifted up. And we have in the story of Isaiah from the first reading today, God making a promise to those who might have felt marginalized. Making a promise to those who might have felt marginalized because perhaps they didn't have a family. They didn't have children, which is the way they understood their name to be carried forward. And so God says, your name is beautiful to me. In my house, there will be a monument. It will be greater than any of the things you think you're supposed to have. You are that precious to me. So God makes this bold promise to the ones that some marginalize, the ones that some make fun of, the ones that... Don't look like everyone else, maybe. You know, God makes this promise. You're going to have a great name. And I want to tell you the eunuch word in the Bible for me, sometimes it may mean a castrated or uncast or person, but not necessarily so. The eunuch we read about in Scripture today was of the treasury. You know, if he'd been of the harem, he would have been castrated. Been of handling the money, we don't know. So eunuch meant different things, even at that time. Mostly it meant you didn't get to have your own family. Mostly it meant that you were going to be different in some way, set apart. So we get this word, eunuch. And I want you to think about it like we think about the word queer. Because I believe that's the way Jesus thinks about the word eunuch. Those who are different those who are sexually different, those who have families that are different, those whose lives don't look like everyone else's. My queer people are blessed. There's a monument in my house, and their name is lifted. Their name is lifted. Their name is lifted. The chains are breaking. We can hear the chains breaking Oh, God. In the book of Matthew, 
the disciples ask Jesus what they think is a simple question because Jesus has been teaching them about divorce. And divorce is an interesting word depending on when you lived. Okay? And if you lived when Jesus lived, divorce meant a man could divorce, but not a woman. Divorce meant to a woman that you were then cast out of a home and possibly lived on the streets and lived in poverty the rest of your life. So when you think of divorce, you're thinking of something much harsher, perhaps. And so Jesus has just told the disciples, you know, it's not okay to throw people away. It's not okay to put people in poverty. And the disciples ask a question, but it's the wrong question about this word. They say, well, should we just not even get married then? How can we get out of this responsibility to my neighbor? How we can get out of this accountability to those that so far we can just cast out when we're through? So Jesus takes it another step. He goes from the word divorce to the word eunuch. And he says to them, let anyone accept this who can like he thinks there's people who won't be able to. You hear that? Let anyone accept this who can. There are those who are different, those who are queer, those who are eunuchs, who have been so from birth. There are those who are queer, those who are eunuchs, those who are different. They may not have any children, and they have been made eunuchs by others. There are those who are queer, those who are different, those who are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs out of their own commitment and promise to the kingdom of God. And then Jesus comes back to the first thing he said. Let anyone accept it who can, because this is going to be hard for some people to accept. They just won't get it because they're not queer themselves. You know, so how do we relate to this Jesus? Jesus, I just asked you a question about whether I can throw this woman away or not. And you're talking to me about families that don't look like other families. You're talking to me what it means for a whole class of people to be included in the kingdom of God that I haven't even thought about being there. All I wanted to know was if I can throw her away or not. Jesus, stop messing around. And Jesus goes, well, just saying. <laughs> this is what it's like to be in the kingdom of God. Just saying. You can't throw away that responsibility and accountability. You can't throw away these people by whole classes. I am the one who's telling you about God's love. And I want you to get it. And sometimes the words are so hard words like eunuch, words like queer, that we can't necessarily hear beneath them God doing a new thing, God changing the world. I was talking about this particular passage with a clergy group, and one of the clergy women, young woman, talked about how hard it was for her because in her late 20s, she had to go into surgery, and unbeknownst and without her permission, when she came out of surgery, she had had a hysterectomy. And she said, I'm a eunuch. They did this to me. They did this to me. They made me this way. 
I didn't give them permission, and I woke up, and this is who I am. I don't even know if I should get married because I'm of a conservative Christian faith, and that's the purpose of getting married, the only purpose. And I can't have kids in that way. She was struggling. She was struggling. And we visited the Isaiah passage again, and this passage. And she knew God's love. She knew she could adopt she knew these things, but still, sometimes people preach love in a way that puts more chains on people rather than letting them break free. So she was facing today in a new world where she understood God's love also meant she could find love and she could marry. So what's this thing about these eunuchs, Jesus? What's this thing about queer people? What are you trying to tell us about God's love? Do our words still pass each other? Do we still not understand? Well, let's look at this story we have this morning for us from the book of Acts. And this story from the book of Acts is actually being written by a different community, but about the same time. So when you look at the scripture, you need to know that the book of Luke and Acts is written by the same community. About the same time, the book of Matthew, which that other reading came from, is written by another community. So it's interesting to me what's going on in the context of this writing, that in two different books by two different communities, this same concern comes up. What is going on within the scripture for God's people that Matthew has Jesus say, everyone is a part of the family of God. And then Luke tells this story of Philip, an Ethiopian eunuch. Pretty fascinating, isn't it? What context? What is happening in the world? So here we get the story of an Ethiopian eunuch. We're introduced to it, and you need to know some things about this fella. One, he's powerful. He's in a chariot. That means he's powerful. Two, he's rich. He's rich because he's reading from a scroll, the book of Isaiah. So we know he has power, and we know that he's wealthy. He has privilege. And we know he's struggling with a passage of Scripture. Lucky him, he found Isaiah instead of Deuteronomy. Right? Depends on which book you pick up, you know? Was it the book that would say no one imperfect can go before God? Or is it the book that said you have a name that's a monument in my house? So he's reading the right book. And the book is talking about a suffering servant. And Philip tells him about Jesus and the suffering servant and what that meant to Philip. And in the sharing of the story, as you go into a new culture with a new person, because this is a person from another country, Another status, Philip's a peasant running along the road. Some people don't even pick people up like that. You know, so here's the Ethiopian out of his privilege letting Philip come in. And instead of assuming their words match, assuming they mean the same thing when they're speaking, the Ethiopian asks questions. The Ethiopian asks three questions. And I want us to go through those today. The first question the Ethiopian eunuch asks of the three questions is, and there's a slide on this, 
How can I understand by myself? Do I have to do this alone? That's a great way to make assumptions. Do it on your own. Don't ask anybody anything. If you're driving and you're lost, don't ask for help. You know, so here it is. The eunuch asks for questions. Ask, do I have to do this by myself? New person, different culture, don't assume. Ask, how can I do it without a guide? Do I have to do it on my own? Remember in the garden story, the only thing that was pronounced not good was to try and do it on your own. It's not good for you to be completely alone. So here we are, this Ethiopian unit's talking to Philip, and he goes on even a bit further now, because Philip's willing to help tell the story and share it together. Then he goes to his second question, and his second question is, well, who is this writer writing about? Is he writing about himself? Is he writing about this Jesus you're talking about? Is he writing about someone else? Is he even writing about me? Does it apply? Does it apply to my life? So first, do I do it alone? Do I have to? And second, is this word even about me? What a wonderful question. Philip says, yes, it's about you. Yes, it's about each and every one of us. It's that God's love is so much, so overwhelming of everything that the chains break free for everyone and the eunuch says, oh, so you think so, Philip? Really? Just saying. Been to Jerusalem, coming home. They told me all this kind of stuff, but then they didn't let me in the temple. This may say I got a monument in there, but I sure couldn't see it. They didn't even let me in the door. So who are you, Philip? Are you those people who slammed the door on me? Look, here's water. What's to keep me from being baptized? Are you going to shut the door on me, Philip? Are you going to believe what you say? That God loves God's queer people. What is it? Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch get out of the chariot and go down into the water. The story says, as they came up out of the water, Philip is no longer there because God has snatched him away. He must have done the right thing. You're done here. Let me put you somewhere else. That's the way the book of Acts talks about Philip's ministry. The Ethiopian comes up, doesn't see him, but goes on his way rejoicing. Now we know people give some queer people power and privilege, but still want them to stay in their place. We know this Ethiopian eunuch knew what that was like. In charge of the treasury, powerful and wealthy, but not able to get in the door. So what are we doing with this story in our scripture and the other story in Matthew? Are we willing to take the privilege? Are we willing to take the power? And then, 
stay in our place? People of God, Jesus breaks the chains. Don't be seduced by any amount of power, any amount of privilege, any amount of prestige that says you must stay in your place. Can we be the Ethiopian eunuch and say, okay, world, just saying. Okay, God, you promised, just saying. Okay, Jesus, you did this, you showed me, just saying. Where will you believe deeply enough to walk right up to the chariot and ask questions? To go into the water with more questions. To come out of the water joyfully with even more questions. God invites us into this journey that breaks chains. It says, start today. Breaks chains. Start today. If you think you know what all the words mean, I've lost you. If you're willing to ask questions, perhaps together, we can go in the water and be saved. Thanks be to God. Amen. Good morning, everyone.